It's June 14th, and tonight we're going to have the NFL 2016 offseason crash course. Oh, I, I played the wrong song to start the show, but I think that we can power through that. What do you think, Dave? What do you mean you played the wrong song? I meant to play a different song. Well, I get and that. And it wouldn't have been the wrong song if I didn't say anything. Well, what was the song you meant to play? I'll just play it later. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, I am Jason, joined as always with, with Dave. I never get that line right. I should practice that before the show. Anyways, across from me is Dave, and we make up Drink 5, um, and we are here to talk about fantasy football tonight. We've had one football show so far this year. Uh, we thought <clears throat> it was time to kind of update ourselves. Maybe we have a draft this week, and that uh, it was the onus for doing this. However, um, it is a good time to kind of check in. Um, we'll uh, After this uh, week, we'll have a couple more of the retrospectical episodes, and then we'll go into full fantasy football, kind of closer to the start of uh, training camps at the end of July. Uh, so, Dave, uh, I must always inquire as to what it is that you are drinking at the beginning of the show that doesn't match up with everything else. Well, I like uh, I like to start off the show with uh, with a beer that's not quite as good as the ones that we'll be following subsequently. It's it's a psychological thing, probably. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, that's in my mind, right? This in this reality, it I'm, makes the good beers better. I'm drinking Coors Light, and the the mountains were blue, so that was good, right? That's what they tell me. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna be moving. It's always good to have an indication for how cold your beer is. But I'll be moving on to a Two Hearted Ale in a can, which is a great beer, and I think you're drinking that now, right? Yeah, it's the American India Pale Ale with intense hop aroma and malt balance, well suited for adventurous trips anywhere, even all the way to Studio Two Six Five. This is like maybe my favorite. IPA that is out there, which would probably make it my favorite beer, and it's two-hearted, so there's a like hidden Doctor Who reference in there, and it's kind of the lighter version of Hop Slam, our other favorite beer. So um, I- I'm really happy that I've decided to buy two-hearted tonight, and we also have a bomber of uh, a new Lagunitas that I have not tried yet. Well, very nice, and we will enjoy that in a little while. So the NFL offseason is winding th- its way through the summer. Um, the OTAs have started up for the most part. There's mandatory mini camps at this point, stuff like that. Um, training camp is still a little way off. That usually starts at the very end of July, that last week in July. Um, so we're about six weeks away from that still. We're probably about two months away from any preseason games starting. Three months away from any games that matter, any you know fantasy points that are actually going to count for the year. September um, 11th is the first Sunday in the season, so I do believe that would make it uh, sometime around the 8th, September 8th, will be the opening game. Um, so we got plenty of time to uh, catch up on everything and figure out what's going on. Um, so the injuries always wind up hitting during OTAs, during training camp, anytime during the offseason. Guys get injured at home, they get injured in practice, um, or they sit out just because everyone is terrified of them stubbing their toe. Um, so if you have a redraft league, then you're fine. You're going to be able to take all the injury information and know everything that's going on before you make your decision on a draft. If you're in a dynasty league, the next few months are going to be nerve wracking for you because you can't do anything 
you can't gain any points with these guys. It's hard to kind of trade guys in the preseason and stuff like that. Everyone kind of has their teams uh, the way that they want them. At least they think they do. Um, so all that's going to happen are bad things to your team over the next few months, unfortunately, until everything good starts happening when guys actually start playing. So let's look at uh, the offseason injuries that we've had so far, uh, starting with an interesting case, Brashard Perriman, a wide receiver for Baltimore. Um, he's had kind of a roller coaster injury going on right now. So in 2015, his rookie season, he sat out the entire season with a torn PCL. Uh, and then, most more recently, on June 11th, it was reported that he partially su- uh, suffered a partially torn ACL. Uh, and it was at their OTA. So he went from questionable for the season uh, to playing at some point. And now it's reported that, you know, just a little scope and some stem, stem cells, he's going to be ready for the regular season probably. Um, so that is a huge swing from... Uh, people being hopeful that he would get some playing time in this year uh, to he should be able to play all season. I don't know if I believe that, but, you know, everyone's always optimistic at the beginning of the season unless they've done something like tear their ACL. Um, He had a bad injury, but thankfully they said it was partially torn, which sometimes can heal by itself. Um, Unfortunately, the guy, like you said, has never played a snap. Right, and we have seen that Baltimore has uh, really screwed around with injury reports uh, in, you know, the recent past. So you're right. You never know what really is going on with him. But the reports about him have certainly uh, varied widely or, or really ridden the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sammy Watkins broke his foot at some point. Uh, during the spring, it was kind of unclear because uh, they reported on May 16th that he had surgery about a month ago. Um, so he's currently in a walking boot. He's sidelined. He's at minicamp. He's not practicing. Uh, he's likely to miss the start of training camp is what the Bills say. Uh, he is expected to be ready for week one, however. I don't think this is going to affect his draft value too much. He's going to have the same quarterback as last year. Um, and as long as he is practicing with the team, you know, it, through maybe preseason game three or during preseason game three, which is going to be the middle of August, then I think that he'll be just fine and you don't have to worry about docking him at all for an offseason injury. So my take is he's a stud, right? But he kind of has the Julio Jones injury where they had to put like a, a you know like a bolt in his foot, so that could come up and, and do something bad to him. And he did have injuries throughout the last half of the season last year, but he's been putting up big numbers on a team that doesn't really have uh, an amazing quarterback, doesn't really have a great passing offense. So you know if they can get their stuff together and he's healthy then yeah i i agree i don't think it's going to affect his uh preseason rankings at all but it just it's something to be aware of right is like if you have your choice between a guy like sammy watkins and another guy who's at that same level who may not have been injured then absolutely you want to know that yeah you at least want to know about it uh, even if you're going to take the uh the risk reward scenario sure and i think that sammy watkins is going to have a great year this year he's shown that he's a stud and you know this league is perfectly set up for wide receiving studs at the moment well and at least on his team there's not really anyone else who's going to be taking away from him there's no possibility right now that i can see of a guy like raising in the ranks and taking over the wide receiver one position nobody even close on on buffalo Right. Um, Tyler Eifert, uh, tight end in Cincinnati. Last year, he was the ultimate red zone threat. I think every single touchdown he had came from inside the red zone. Um, and, you know, that's that, he was a big weapon. 
but he suffered uh, the worst, you know, kind of injury for a coach, which is he got injured at the Pro Bowl. Uh, during the Pro Bowl, they thought it was just a mild ankle sprain, but it turned out that he needed to have surgery in late May, and that surgery comes with a three- to four-month recovery period. So he's going to miss the preseason. He will probably miss a couple of weeks into the regular season. So this is a huge blow, I think, to a guy that had the potential to finish in the top three tight ends, considering the fact that the Bengals lost a bunch of wide receiving talent this year. So he was going to move in, firmly into probably the number two uh, you know, target spot on that offense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a guy that's going to have to drop a decent amount down your list because there are a bunch of talented tight ends out there now. And there's now like five or six guys that can really, you know, solidly sit in that top tier, that top two tiers. Uh, and Tyler Eifert missing some time, it's going to hurt his chances. Now, his production uh, will be like he's in a, a second tier once he's there. Um, but you have to remember that if you're going to lose a couple of games up front, that you have to make up for it somehow. You can't just pick up a guy off the waiver wire. You need to have some sort of backup if you're going to draft Tyler Eifert. Yeah, for, for tight ends, uh, you're not you're probably not going to get a lot of production off of a guy who's not already on a team. Uh, that's that's more of a toss-up than, than picking up like a, a wide receiver or a running back that have more chances. Exactly. Waiting on a wide receiver or running back makes way more sense because you have a lot of options. With tight end, it's kind of sketchy. So you could be the guy to snatch up Tyler Eifert, and I don't know, the sixth or seventh round. Um, I have no idea where he's ranked or where he's going at ADP at the moment. Uh, however, you know, you got to have a plan in place. Don't just take him. Right. Uh, so you, that plan that you have in place may be Gary Barnage, tight end Cleveland. Uh, he has a sports hernia right now, or he had sports hernia surgery uh, earlier this month. Uh, so based on his timetable, they think he'll be ready to start in camp. He was a big breakout at tight end. Um, I include on the list because, you know, he'll probably be healthy, just fine for the season. And he may be the best, I, I hesitate to use that, offensive threat that they have in Cleveland. You know, at running back, sure, but in terms of receiving, Gary Barnage may be the best that they have. And that's not saying that he sucks. He's very good. We saw last year that he actually is good. Uh, but it was a once, you know, it, it happened once. Do you think it can happen again with Barnage? Well, it, it was all year that he was playing well, right? So it's not something that was really a fluke. It's just a guy who never got any playing time beforehand. But I'm not going to pick anybody up from Cleveland because I have no idea what the situation looks like. Um, probably he's going to get a bunch of dump-off passes and some red zone looks because there's nobody out there, like you mentioned. But there are a couple of, uh, of rookies uh, and uh, guys in Cleveland that have been there for a couple of years that might perform more up to expectations. I mean, they got uh, rid of Johnny Manziel, and uh, who knows what they're going to do with Josh Gordon. I don't know what the news is on him, but it's probably not looking that great. So... That maybe they're moving away from these fantasy players that, uh, and I don't mean fantasy like fantasy football. I mean, <laughs> I mean fantasy like players that seem to have a lot of potential but are terrible for the team. Okay. So in that case, uh, if that's if that's true, Gary Barnage has a chance to put up numbers again. But you know, and I know that that a lot of times tight ends that perform really well one year are not going to follow it up for whatever reason. And how old is Barnage? He's uh, he's got a couple of years on him, right? Uh, Gary Barnage is uh, 
thirty point two six six. I love the way that uh, Pro Football Reference does it. Incredibly He'll be thirty one during the season at the beginning of the season. So that's fine, I guess. But but it's one of those things. It's weird. You haven't heard of this guy for a really long time. He pops up. That could be his uh, career year, and he's done. But we don't see any reason why Barnage won't still be good. I just don't like drafting anyone off Cleveland this particular year. Provided he gets the targets, I could see that. Um, you know, obviously targeting has been his issue. Going into last year, his season high for targets was 25. Last year he had 125. So a little nice symmetry there, but yeah, he had nothing going on for him uh, in terms of uh, being a part, a major part of anyone's offense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to be able to have 79 catches, 1,043 yards, and nine touchdowns last year, Put him in, I'm sure, uh, the top three or four tight ends of the season. Uh, and here he goes. Uh, he's His ADP is 79 right now. The seventh tight end uh, going off the board. That's late eighth round. Uh, to compare that, you've got uh, our guy Tyler Eifert we were just talking about. He's going middle sixth round at uh, the fourth tight end position. So he's still being valued higher. And I would almost think that you may have a safer bet with Gary Barnage because he's going to be such a focus of the offense. I don't think I could ever draft Gary Barnage over Tyler Eifert, but you're, you're right. We don't not know how- over instead of, I'm not, I'm just saying wait until the right position to draft Barnage. Um, but you know, don't draft, you get, take the value elsewhere. No, I, I get what you're saying. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not going to target Gary Barnage as my number one tight end. Fair I think enough. that sounds insane to me, but you know, like like we mentioned, he he had good production. He's going to be on a team where they still don't have any uh, offensive weapons that are really coming out of the woodwork. So maybe maybe it is a good option. I I'm not sure who who's our uh, who's our quarterback in in Cleveland this year. Uh, you got me stumped, buddy. I is have no idea. Robert Griffin the third. I guess <laughs> it'll be RG three. I mean. So the problem with that is if you don't have a good quarterback situation or you don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, uh, it's it's pretty impossible for me to draft a guy who is a receiving threat. Josh McCown is still listed as number one. Yeah, because he's the last guy that was right. number one. And, right. and really, McCown is the guy who uh, really connected with Barnage, so I like that. Robert Griffin III does know how to hook up with Jordan Reed. So it's not like Barnage is going to be forgotten this year, I think. No, well, well, I don't know if he's going to get 125 targets, but he might because there's no one else here. I mean, Marlon Moore, Corey Coleman, Ricardo Lewis. Well, I don't have a good feeling Andrew about Hawkins, Barnage. Andrew Hawkins, Taylor a, Gabriel. Maybe it's a bet we can make. I, I don't think he'll uh, he'll do as well. So is there a line somewhere that you would you would put him at? Or? I don't think he'll do as well as he did last year just because he was so good. So you don't want to bet on the Barnage either. I don't want to say that he'll do better, <laughs> but I think he'll probably still get like – 65 catches and 80, 800 yards and maybe five touchdowns. But that's not yards, like wow. that's not like a huge year or anything. That's a pretty pedestrian year for you know a guy who would be drafted where he's going to be drafted. Yeah, but 800 yards is probably top 10 for a tight end, right? Sure, I'm sure 800 yards is top 10. Wow, 800 yards. And he's going to be top 10. I, I that if you want to bet on that, like I got no problem with that. Well, let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing, buddy. Okay, uh, next on the list, Darren McFadden. Speaking of guys who don't always get hurt on the field, apparently he broke his elbow in an accident at home. Uh, and remember, everyone, uh, being at the house is the most dangerous place you can be. It's where all the accidents happen, apparently. I've never heard that. 
uh, it's just like one of those old accidents happen things. closest to home. Is that what they say? Sure. All right. They they do say that. Too. Is McFadden even fantasy relevant though? I don't think so. Ezekiel Elliott was picked fourth overall, and it's not like McFadden was going to be a starter in any way, shape, or form, unless there was an injury, of course. Um, so now he's going to be out till at least mid-August, and he's going to have to keep Alfred Morris from taking his number two spot. Uh, so the fact that he's not going to be practicing with the team uh, is going to hurt him. I think that uh, you know Darren McFadden's relevance may be over, which is nice news for me because he's sitting on my fantasy team right now, uh, my dynasty team, and I need to clear up some space to draft some rookies. And Darren McFadden may be a easy drop with his most latest injury. Well, you don't have to uh, in in our league. You don't have to to cut anybody to draft rookies. But not uh, just yet. But Alfred Morris, I think, is is totally different from Darren McFadden, right? Uh, they're not even fighting over the same job. It's not like Darren McFadden is a, a goal line back who is a bruiser between the tackles. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think he is uh, has fallen out of uh, of fantasy relevance entirely. Um, what did he do last year? Did he did he actually perform pretty well? I know there was a couple touchdowns and uh, he had many good games because uh, that offensive line is incredible. Um, so last year his but, but he was final splitting line, with like three different people. Sure, but his final line: two hundred and thirty-nine carries for one thousand eighty-nine yards, only three touchdowns. You know his four point six yards per carry was the best since he was a regular starter in Oakland back in two thousand eleven. Yeah, so he's not the touchdown guy, and if he can't get the third down roll, that means he's he's garbage. For our for not anything against Darren McFadden, I don't know him as a person, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's not useful to us as fantasy players. He had lots of yards. He could not get in the end zone. He only had three. You know, he had three forty catches and three hundred twenty eight yards receiving, no touchdowns receiving. So only three touchdowns last year makes it a little disappointing. Even though he had over fourteen hundred yards from scrimmage, yeah, which is impressive. I mean, you're getting almost your ten points per game just from that. Yeah, that's too bad for him. Uh, so we've got Jared Cook, who was signed by the Packers. He's the tight end. He had preemptive foot surgery this month. Uh, the only reason I bring him up is because I think he could have been uh, a sleeper this year. Well, Jared he Cook's still been a might sleep- be. He's been a sleeper tight end for five years. Sure, but when has he ever had a quarterback? And not just any quarterback. Now he's got Aaron Rodgers. I know. And, and how many times do we have a, a tight end on Green Bay that everyone's like, it could be really good. It could be really good. Jermichael Finley was the only guy that was good, and he wasn't even that good. Right. And I fully expect all of that hype to happen again this year. Yep. It, just like everyone likes to hype the, Cl- the Clegane Bowl and watch it fall to pieces, this, too, is going to fall to pieces. But we're not going to draft Jared Cook, correct? I'm not going to draft him. Unless he can get a whole camp with Aaron Rodgers to sort of build a rapport. If he can't, if he's going to miss half of camp, Rodgers is going to be light years ahead of him. They have Jordy Nelson back, and they've got all the other receivers that have started to do good things. Uh, They're not going to suddenly play a heavy tight end game. Yeah. So I sense a theme here. We've got Jordan Reed, tight end, in Washington. So he's sitting out mini camp with an ankle injury. It's not really expected to affect his status for training camp so that's good get in a full training camp with Kirk Cousins that'll be their second year together uh that could be really you know mean really good things for them uh the the problem with Jordan Reed is that he's missed 14 games in the last three years now he did play 14 games last year meaning uh, he's started to turn that injury bug uh tag that he has with him around but at the same time 
you know, he's banged up again, so it's going to be in the back of your mind. Now, Jordan Reed, obviously a guy who's going to be drafted high, I think anyways. Uh, right now, his ADP is 38, late fourth round, the second tight end off the board behind, you know, our guy Gronk. So do you like Jordan Reed this year? Do you think that he can, uh, um, you know, would you want to draft him? Uh, sure. He's a physical guy, and that's why he gets uh, a lot of his injuries. Uh, I think that he's going to have a really good year again, but I would rather take someone like uh, Greg Olson that uh, is not going to have the kind of injury risk and still going to score tons of touchdowns. Greg Olson's one of the only guys who's not on the tight, who's not a tight end injury I've listed. Greg right. Olson's going uh, as the third tight end, ADP uh, 44, so mid-fifth. Yeah, I think it's crazy that he's being drafted after Jordan Reed personally, but I guess it's because he's been around for so long. Jordan Reed's an up-and-comer. I just think the injury risk is too much for Jordan Reed. He had a great year last year, like I said. Washington is, is sort of up-and-coming if Kirk Cousins can keep up the torch, you know, but... They I, did uh, win their division last year. I, I hate to believe in that because every time I've owned Jordan Reed, he has some kind of an accident uh, on the field and <laughs> he doesn't play for six games in a row. So I, I would much rather, I think, uh, shy away from the uh, from the injury tag guy, as you say. But if he ends up on a team or if he, you have him in a dynasty league, then he's obviously going to be like a top three or four guy, regardless of who you're talking to, as long as he's healthy. I just think that that ADP is is pretty high if you're if you're putting him as the number two guy after Gronkowski. That's where he is on the Fantasy Pros ADP, and that's a you know a consensus of all of the websites that are drafting right now: Yahoo, ESPN, CBS. Um, what's FFC? I'm not sure what FFC. Is. Oh, oh, Fantasy Football Calculator. That's where we do our mock drafts. I like that site. Um, Next on our list, we've got Rob Gronkowski. Uh, so all the top tight ends are really on this list, right? Thankfully, most of them are for mild issues. So Gronkowski is another one that's they're probably just playing games with us, right? But the reports are out there, so let's just touch on it. So he was uh, held out of practice as a healthy scratch just to keep him from getting injured. And then he returned to practice and then was held out for an undisclosed ailment. So it sounds like they're just screwing around. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, you know, the only thing is that Gronkowski does worry people a little bit uh, with in, in injury history, although his injury history isn't as bad as others. He's actually had a most, mostly healthy career. Um, in uh, two seasons, he's played 16 games. In two seasons, he's played 15 games. That means that there's only uh, two other seasons where he had him really shortened. So uh, I wouldn't worry so much about Gronkowski's uh, you know, durability at the moment. He's played 15 games each of the last two years. You get 15 games out of Gronk, that's worth the first tight end off the board. We don't really have to talk about Gronkowski. No, like I said, it's just, you know, his injury reports are out there. I say don't worry about them. Um, so, LaShawn McCoy being held out uh, for a small injury again. Um, and it's not a hamstring injury. That's kind of the whole point of bringing him up. He did have hamstring injuries last year. He doesn't have a hamstring injury, even though they reported it as one. It's really an ankle injury. Uh, so I think he's more likely, and this isn't even a very good chance, that he misses a game uh, due to being suspended rather than being injured. Yeah, McCoy has a, a good shot to be a great back again, and he just needs to step it up and stay healthy. So that's another guy that's going to be really difficult to place a value on. Um, in, a, in a regular redraft. Do I know, agree. Do you know what his uh, ADP is? It's probably pretty high. 
up there for running backs. Although this is could this could be one of the best years I think um, for running backs in a really long time because we have a lot of standouts. <coughs> I remember a couple of years ago we were comparing thoughts about running backs and there were probably about two or three guys on the list where you're like these guys are going to do well, you know, a high probability of that happening and everybody else is kind of a toss up. But this year it seems to me that the top 10 guys or so depending on your list are are all going to be high performers uh, more than likely. So that hasn't happened in my opinion for a long time. Maybe since um oh man, like uh back in 2008 or or 2009 or something like that. When like Adrian Peterson was just running roughshod over everybody. Yeah, but there were a lot of other running backs that were that were the same kind of bell cow backs and now you've kind of got that happening again in guys like Bell and Gurley and Johnson and Elliott and Peterson. Oh, you uh, almost had the top 5 in order. Uh-huh. It's Bell, Gurley, Johnson, Peterson, Elliott. What top 5 are you referring to? The top 5 ADP for running backs. Okay. But you can see, I mean, do you agree with me that the list this year looks fantastic? Oh, it really does. And McCoy is the uh 12th running back on the list. His ADP is 26 mid to late third round. Uh, so, you know, he's going to, he's in company with guys like Eddie Lacy, Mark Ingram, Thomas Rawls, Carlos Hyde, who I think is way too high, but that's another story. Um, so yeah, I mean, the guys above him are all so good that, uh, you can't really argue with it either. Right. Even if you look at guys that are lower down on the list, or at least our list, so we'll get to a little bit later, then you're talking about guys like Thomas Rawls and Jonathan Stewart and Mark Ingram and Doug Martin. And, and those guys are all still guys that are going to get the bulk of the carries on their teams. And heck, they, they could end up being guys that have 1,500 yards in the season. So it's pretty incredible that a top 15 might have maybe three or four guys that I'm going to shy away from. I really want to see a full Le'Veon Bell season. Otherwise, uh, there's... You know, there's some problems there with injuries. Well, I mean, and, and, and it's, it's not like tough he's, for running backs to maintain health, especially he gets, guys like him. So. And he gets hurt in such crazy ways, too. Yeah, well, one thing has been proven over the past um, 10 or 20 fantasy football seasons, and that is that wide receivers get injured less often than running backs do in this bruising kind of a game. So... The, the great part about this year is that maybe, you know, we talk about having these strategies where you take wide receiver first. A lot of people are doing that now because it's more of a wide receiver game and there's less of a bell cow situation for the running backs. I think there's less injury risk as well. Well, of course, the, it's not huge, but there's a percentage. We've, we've proven it and we've talked about the case for that. But if you look this year, I mean, if you take a couple running backs in a row, chances are you're going to get a guy that's top five. So that's, that's pretty impressive and I haven't seen that happen in a while. Uh, might be a case for You're more confident for the running back first. Yeah, there might be a case for flip flopping. You know, picks like if you could get, um, let's say Adrian Peterson and um, and Le'Veon Bell or uh, Lamar Miller and David Johnson, or I, I would take those guys. I think that'd be fantastic. Well, you know, the ADP is you know is proving you right at the moment. There are five running backs being drafted in the top ten players right now. So the top five guys, all the way down to Ezekiel Elliott at number ten, are all being drafted, uh, you know, before even Des Bryant. Yeah, he's got a lot of question marks now, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that's it for the injury updates for now, Dave. Do you know of any other injuries we need to touch touch on? 
uh, not immediately, but of course, you know, check out Roto World for daily news and follow everybody on Twitter. I'm thinking about putting out an article, um, maybe like the top 10 or 15 people to follow on Twitter because that's a great place to go for your news. And if you follow the right guys, the right, um, not pundits, you don't want to follow guys like Michael Fabiano, but you do want to follow you guys. You want to follow the, um, what do they call them? The beat reporters. Well, yes, but there's there's 32 teams, so I mean that's a lot of people, right? Oh yeah. You want to get like the the guys that are in touch with the the high profile players that actually know them, that they phone each other back and forth. So like your Adam Schefter's, but Adam Schefter is now probably the most famous person in uh, in like football personalities. So and I mean football reporting guys sure. guys that are not him. I mean some guys now they aren't communicating stuff to Schefter because they know it'll just get it'll get out there somehow. <laughs> Uh, nothing against that guy. He's really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, so look out for that. I might I might put something like that up. But if you go to Twitter and search for um, the fantasy news, etc., you're going to get inundated with all these little uh, Twitter accounts. What you really need to do is follow specific people that are out there on the path and, and actually talk to the players. All right. This is a song I wanted to play to start the show. So, Dave, have you lost any of your dynasty players yet to injury? I get it because they're injured, right? Because they're injured. And he's talking about a hospital? And they're cross-eyed and painless. He's, he's incredibly clever, this guy, everyone, just so you know. I want everyone to know exactly how clever I am. <laughs> um, I don't know. So you're talking about we're in a dynasty league, Jason and I, and it's a 10-person dynasty league, and it has pretty expansive uh, roster and we have a draft this Thursday so this Thursday what we're going to be doing is doing a rookie and free agent draft and it's interesting when you look at your team uh, the way that we do it is we, we pick up um, like six rounds of players you can draft either a rookie or a free agent who happens to be available uh, because the free agent waiver wire is locked until directly after the draft and then uh, closer to week two or I think it's after week three of the preseason and we ask everyone to go ahead and cut down their rosters to regular size. Now, point of order, don't we have to cut out our uh, our IR list before the draft? Uh, this isn't really the place to talk about that, but uh, I, I uh, don't think... Do you know yes or no? I don't think that's the case. I, it was burning it into my mind. I couldn't wait till after the show. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's a little inside baseball, as they say. But we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but as far as injuries, for me, uh, I, I think I do have a, a lingering problem, which is Jimmy Graham, one of my first picks that I took the, the year that we first started the Dynasty League. Jimmy Graham is injured, um, and we're not sure if he's going to start the, the season on the pup list um, or not. And we're not sure where his place is really on Seattle. Although it looks like, according to all the sources close to the team, they're going to try to bring him back and, and make him you know, a, a move tight end like he was a couple times. It's just that he didn't really seem like a good fit there for the, uh, for the offense that they play, etc. And so that's a guy that I'm worried about and I think is probably just going to end up on my uh, injured reserve list for probably half of this season until he comes back, at least as a healthy player. Um, 
I did have Mark Ingram and Jamal Charles, both of who <laughs> both of who were injured but now are coming back healthy. And I had Tony Romo, who was injured at the at the end of last year, but now is also coming back for healthy. most of last year. Right, but all three of those players look like they have a clean bill of health going into 2016. Well, I don't want to spend too much you time just on listed my listed a ton of players that you that were injured. Well, I had David Johnson and Danny Woodhead, who were both uh, top five oh, or Danny six Woodhead's running backs. Four touchdown game. Well, I didn't hurt. Woodhead was like the number five running back overall last year. Uh, he was quite good, yes. Um, and then I had Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker and Sammy Watkins, all of which were amazing wide receivers for last year. Um, so that's your answer. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so I don't really have any injuries on my team right now. Uh, so looking forward to next year, I, I just have to worry about basically if there's any gaps in my team. Um, and for me, I think that's going to be – uh, a mission to pick up another wide receiver, uh, whether he be like a second or third round talent that I can use to develop, or maybe I can trade some guys on my team for uh, a wide receiver one, and that would put me right there again. In fact, I think my team is right there again for contention of the championship. So be afraid, all ye who play me. Um, <laughs> how about how about your team? Do you have injuries that are still lingering on on that squad? Well, I have a brand new injury. I do have uh, Darren McFadden on my team, so yeah, but you weren't uh, going to play him. Anyway yeah, probably not. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, of course, had the lingering injury at the end of last year, and he was really good at the end right. of last year. I think he'll be okay. Um, Carlos Williams apparently is fat now, <laughs> so he may need to take the fat Carlos Williams nickname soon. He has to go on the Eddie Lacy. P90X. Hey, when Rex Ryan is complaining about you being fat, then you maybe need to run your ass around the block a few times. Well, Rex Ryan lost some weight. I'm just saying, Rex Ryan knows what fat is. Yeah, they just hung like a <laughs> they hung like a, a, a mannequin's a lady mannequin's foot in front of him and just like just kept going around the field. Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, whatever your carrot is. Yep. And then, of course, Rob Gronkowski, who has non-existent injuries. Uh, Robert Griffin, who may have some sort of undisclosed head injury. But that's just wild speculation. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think I'm okay. I do have Steve Smith. Uh, hopefully, he'll be just fine uh, this year. But I don't know if he's going to start the year. I mean, his injury was pretty crazy, and it happened later in the year. No, he'll be fine. You have one more year with him, and he'll probably get injured around week 9 or 10. So. Week seven, I'm going to come knocking for a trade. Well, you should have done that last year. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone. I tried it last year. Everyone assumed he was going to retire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they were almost right. If he hadn't have gotten injured, he probably would have retired. Yeah. So, same situation for you. Then I think there, there's a, only a couple teams in the league that are affected by current injuries. Current injuries being like we talked about Brashad Perryman uh, or or guys like Martavis Bryant who are out for other reasons. Um, because or Tyler Eifert, who's now out for some games. Yeah. Um, so so that's good. As we approach, you know, the the preseason and the training camps, uh, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty good because you get a clean bill of health from almost everybody. But Brashad Perryman's partially torn ACL was basically just the beginning of a whole onslaught of what we know will be torn ACLs, torn PCLs, broken feet broken necks, broken whatever, because there's going to be at least 10 or 12 different injuries to high-profile players before the season starts. It always happens. And uh, I'm really not looking forward <laughs> to that torn ACL Only bad news. things can happen between now and then. It sucks. It's yeah. just, it's 
it's frustrating. That's pretty true. All right, so recently we got the Brain Trust together here at Drink 5, and we had a couple of locally sourced beverages from a local brewery, uh, and we came up with our each uh, with our own top 10 or 20 players, 10 quarterbacks and tight ends, 20 wide receivers and running backs, um, and we took the rankings for each position, came up with a combined preseason list for each position, um, and we're just going to talk about the top guys for right now. Uh, so... You know, we'll get to sleepers, we'll get to late round steals in July and August when those sort of things become more clear. At this time, I couldn't tell you too many of those. Um, so, on the top of the quarterbacks list, we have Cam Newton and then Aaron Rodgers, which uh, I, I think kind of mirrors what uh, the ECR is, the ex- Expert Consensus Rankings. If you bear with me just one second, I'm going to pull all those up so that we can see where we stand. Well, we don't have to compare them all. I'm not going to compare them all. I just, you know, want to have it handy, I suppose. Uh, Then we've got Roethlisberger, Luck, and Breeze to round out our top five. Uh, A guy who I really like showing up in this top ten is Blake Bortles at six. Dave, you think Blake Bortles is going to have a big year this year? He's another reason why I won the championships last year. You think he deserved, well, I think that Troy is the reason when it comes to that. (laughs) Had Troy not dropped Blake Bortles... I mean, that's a little too detailed for the show, right? But that's the game. I'm just, that's, that's how it works. Someone drops someone for whatever reason, you, you got to go grab them. I'm just poking you. Well, you don't have to poke me with a stick, man. All right. I'm good. I, I but Yes, I think Blake Bortles is a great quarterback uh, in the context of fantasy football because the Jaguars have been behind in a lot of games, and he has great wide receiver core in Allen Hearns and, uh, and Allen Robinson. But I, I don't know that he's going to be able to repeat the same kind of success because, one, they've strengthened their defense a little bit. Um, and, two, their team is going to be better offensively. So they're probably going to take the game a little slower, uh, not have as many crazy big passes you know, to the end zone because they have to. And Blake Bortles doesn't have the most wonderful uh, um, like pass-to-interception ratio. He, <laughs> he doesn't have uh, any of the, of the greatest stats that are out there. He's In fact, a gunslinger, man. People, people tell me that He's compared to Brett Favre. I guess he hangs out at like the Margarita Tiki Bars at the beaches of Jacksonville. You know, so he's... Uh, <laughs> Blake Bortles did lead the league in interceptions last year. He's, it's just, I'm not, I don't think we're going to see that kind of offense. So he's still going to be good. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to picture him as a top five quarterback, however. All right, so... Um, but I'm not going to argue. Well, I mean, hey, he, he's sixth on our list, so I think that's at least acceptable, right? He's uh, got an ECR of eight. His ADP is nine. Uh, so we do like him a little bit more than the masses, I guess you could say. Um, rounding out the top ten, you've got Tony Romo, Carson Palmer, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. So a couple of things that I noticed uh, from this. Uh, Jim had Rodgers at uh, number four, which kind of kept him from being number one. Dave, you and I ranked him the number one guy ahead of Cam Newton. Can you tell me, just in a sentence or two, why you would take Aaron Rodgers over Cam Newton? Um, Stability in in the talents of, of the wide receiver core. Yes. And I think he's less injury prone. Not that Cam Newton is, but he... Is so crazy. I don't even like talking about injury proneness. It's such a crazy thing to talk about. But Cam Newton is great. There's no no one no way you can say he's not. He was amazing last year. But Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback, like a better overall quarterback who has better receiving threats, and that's what you want to look for, right? Right. It, that's exactly. And as opposed to injury proneness, let's just say that he puts himself into bad situations. 
Like it's it's not that he's more prone to get injured. It's that he is is rushing through lines of off of defensive linemen and jumping over things. And Aaron Rodgers is still a mobile quarterback, but he's he's going to uh, take a little more care probably in uh, in those situations. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, another thing. I did not put Carson Palmer in my top ten. And Dave, you had him at four. Now, I, I just think that Carson Palmer is kind of due for some regression at this point in his career. Um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't exactly lighting everything up the last few years. Last year, his stats were greatly inflated compared to his uh, career averages. And I think that he's going to come back to where his career averages. So he's still a, a high-end QB2 in my book, but I don't think he's the QB1 that he was last year. I think Arizona has a killer offense. I think uh, the, the the David Johnson coming out of his shell and still having on that team Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington is going to take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback. I think uh, there's a really smart coach that knows how to bomb the ball when he needs to, and they've got a ton of receiving threats. So I don't believe in due for re- regression. I mean, I, I said that for years with Peyton Manning. I said that for years with Frank Gore, and I was wrong every single year. I think year. maybe calling it due for I think he's just due to go back to his career average. I disagree. I don't think okay. anyone's due to do anything. Arizona is due to win a Super Bowl if you have if you have that. <laughs> That's certainly true. I think David Johnson is going to be one of the reasons why they can do that, though. Well, yeah, but if if you have a guy like that that's that's forcing people to stack the box, then that means that he's going to have wide open deep threats, and and they have really great receivers on their team. I mean, I'd love to see Carson Palmer take the career track, kind of like uh, Ben Roethlisberger has, where. Um, at the tour later in his career now, uh, he's got the talent and he knows how to use it. But how old is Carson Palmer? Isn't he like 36? Uh, Carson Palmer started in 2004. I think Ben Roethlisberger started in 2004 or 2003. I think he was drafted in 04. Huh. I, I, I do believe that they're the same age in terms of football years. Football years. Football years. You oh. know, how many years have they played football? I think Roethlisberger is like 30. Roethlisberger is younger, but they've played the same number of years of football. And at this point, isn't that what counts? I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Roethlisberger is uh, 34, and Carson Palmer is 36. He's more than two years older than him. They were both drafted the same year. Well, listen, I'm saying Carson Palmer is going to do well, so I'm not saying he's a crumbling ball of dust. Or I guess Carson Palmer was drafted one year earlier. He didn't start until 2004, though. Yeah, and, and, and who knows how many years of football they played. It doesn't. We don't know that. You mean NFL football. Um, exactly. Regardless of that, I, I still think we have a year or two left in him, just like there's a year or two left in Tony Romo. And what better offense is to be on than the Cowboys and the Cardinals? Except the Steelers. But, you, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Steelers fan, so I think we have the best offense in football. That's just me. <laughs> it's it's been good years for the Steelers. We can't we can't make it to the championship, but we're really really awesome generally. <laughs> All right, so I also did not put uh, Russell Wilson or Eli Manning in my top ten. Um, I don't think that those are as big of uh, omissions as as a Carson Palmer. But Dave, you did not put Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, or Andy Dalton in there. Now Kirk Cousins, fine. Uh, I can see you leaving him out of top. You 10. talk about regression to me, and let's talk about Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy Dalton has been progressing almost every year. Yeah, and they just got rid of every single one of their re- receivers except and for AJ Green. Have, yeah, I mean, well, they just that team is not primed for like any kind of great offense this year. They're just going to be uh, about the same or a little worse. It doesn't mean that they're a bad team. I still think they could make it to the playoffs, but 
you know, uh, having lost like oh, they're a prime one and done candidate yet again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So having lost all of their great receivers, they've got AJ Green who's going to get peppered with the ball, and Andy Dalton will have plenty of touchdowns. But I think he'll have more games this year where he uh, he doesn't get the three four touchdown mark. And... Well, that's fine. Andy Dalton wound up at number eleven on our list, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he was just so good last year. And, and don't get me wrong, I had him on a couple teams, and that was fantastic. You did have Eli up there, and uh, on second look with. Eli, Eli this year since we've written this list I might consider putting Eli you know at that 10 spot the Giants are a scary team I think and and they Eli is like now that Peyton's gone he's the Manning and it suddenly dawned on me that Eli has a great you know I don't know why it suddenly dawned on me but you know he's he's a really good quarterback (laughs) with being physically healthy you know could he be almost as good as his brother that would be amazing on a team with the receiving core like the Giants. Yeah, well, it's not only that. I mean, so we'll talk about this guy later probably, but the Giants drafted Sterling Shepard, who in 2015 in college stats had 86 catches for 1288 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's going to play opposite Odell Beckham in basically like uh, um, I don't like a Randall Cobb role uh, because okay. the guy Ben McAdoo, who was a Green Bay assistant for the wide receivers, is now on the Giants. So it's Odell Beckham Jr., and, and basically this new rookie who's going to take over because Victor Cruz is never going to play good football again. Just get over it. And Ruben Randall is not even on the Giants. So watch Roots. out watch out for Sterling Shepard. I think he's a fantastic rookie pick as a wide receiver and off of some people's uh, you know top pick spotlight. Although, I mean, he's going to be in the top five wide receivers. So <laughs> he's still in the spotlight. He's just... A lot of people don't know who the rookies are yet, right? Exactly. So, so Odell Beckham now has a new player next to him who should be really, really good. And that is scary. Uh, the fact that the Giants still did pretty well last year towards the end of the year with the new uh, 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 offensive coordinator from a couple of years ago finally panning out for Manning. And I, I don't agree with you that like because he's the only Manning, he'll do well. <laughs> but, you know, well... That's no, just... I'm just remembering that he is a Manning. That's all. He's run. He's won two Super Bowls. Nothing's changed for him. Exactly. He's a championship-winning quarterback that is on a team that has, for a while now, been limping. But this year, they could step back up again, especially because the Eagles are probably not going to do all that much. Uh, They really only have to contend with the Cowboys, I guess. Although a lot of people will. Well, the Redskins won the division. I know a lot of people like the Redskins. And yeah, I mean, it might be a pretty tough fought division. It could be a division. tough division. Yeah, the yeah. Eagles, the Redskins, and the Giants. But you see what I mean? The they've got they've got dual threat receivers now. And granted, one's a rookie, but he's a really good rookie. So uh, my my bet is for Manning to uh, to reach really close to the top ten again. Excellent. So uh, moving on to running backs, uh, the top five are pretty much set in stone at this point, right? Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Adrian Peterson. That's how we've got them listed. I believe um, the the uh, ECR has them flipped a little bit differently, but you know the, those top five guys. Could would you call that all tier number one, or would you maybe cut it off as the top three is tier number one, just Bell, Gurley, and Johnson? Well, looking at our ratings, I, I find it hard not to include Jamal Charles in that as well. Uh, although some people might argue that he won't get a lot of carries, I find that ridiculous. Well, none of us put him higher than five. You and Jim had him at five. I mean, well, then the answer, in my opinion, is going to be that the top tier of running backs is probably uh, Bell and Gurley and and Johnson and Elliott. 
it's but it's it's almost impossible to include Peterson. So yes, I will concede to your point. You're putting you're putting Elliott in the top tier and say that all five of those players are are in the top tier of running backs, and all five of those players could easily finish as the number one running back. I I, I don't know. Just going back to your point earlier about how good the running backs are mm-hmm. this year, I don't know if I've ever seen any position with the top tier being five deep. Like this year is going to be one of those years when you want to draft at the end of the draft. Well, you could because say, you're going to be able to get one of these guys in at the tenth spot. You could say that the top tier is just Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, or Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, which is probably more likely. But the L.A. Rams, because they've been shaken up and their offense doesn't look that great, I just don't know if Todd Gurley might not go for like a little bit of a sophomore slump. He's he's not going to be one of the guys that I target um, for first-round picks. But if you're at 10 and he's available, you're taking him, right? That's impossible. Okay. So you think that no matter what, he's still going before that? I think this year we'll see the resurgence of people picking running backs more often in the first round. Okay. Because it started to die off a little bit. And people were taking, you know, five, six wide receivers in the first round. And I just don't I don't see how that could, could continue um, with how good this class is. Yep. So Bell was a consensus number one for us. All three of us listed him at number one. Uh, the second five, we've got Jamal Charles right away, uh, Eddie Lacy, Lamar Miller, Doug Martin, and Devonta Freeman. Now, Freeman was the number one guy last year. Uh, yeah. we, we've got him down at 10. I mean... Uh, you know, I had him at 16. You had him at 11. I don't really think that he's going to be able to repeat le- next last year, right? A lot of people close to the, the team, same they think that Tevin Coleman is going to come in there and they're going to form the running back by committee. Both of them are going to be healthy, and both of them are going to take away enough from each other that neither one will be a top 10 running back. Freeman ran away with the running back title last year. Yeah, that was out of control. It really was. And it was due to heavy touchdowns early, stuff like that. Um, so I, I see Freeman, you know, belonging there at the bottom of the top 10. Um, so you've got, uh, but people will pick him too high. Exactly. Oh, totally. I would much rather have Lamar Miller or even Doug Martin over Devonta Freeman. And of course we have them ranked higher than, than that. You know, if he's available as the 10th running back, I'm probably going to take him. Uh, so Continuing, we've got Mark Ingram at 11, then LaShawn McCoy, Thomas Rawls, C- Jonathan Stewart, C.J. Anderson. Um, All guys that are easily the bell cow backs on their team. Right, right. Now, yeah, you're kind of in that situation where uh, you have the guys that aren't the super studs, but the guys who are going to be there all the time. See, I, I might disagree. Jonathan Stewart was awesome all last year. Thomas Rawls, if he really does take over for Lynch, who is actually going to retire, is going to be the number one running back for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, uh, C.J. Anderson was our number one overall pick last year, and he only did badly because he was injured for half the season and then had some weird coaching decisions made. Uh, I, I think that all those guys could easily finish in the top 10. Uh, I just think that they had different and, and bad situations for their uh, th- themselves last year. Thomas Rawls, of course, did lead the league in yards per attempt last year. However, he has a small sample size. He only started seven games. He played in 13 games. Um, well, that's why we're not really sure exactly. if, if they're going to lock him in, but it seems like he's the guy. Now, of course, we have Ezekiel Elliott at four, but... That was like, you know, it's easier, I think, to read Jerry Jones than it is uh, most other people. Well, when you draft a guy that high, you're going to use him um, immediately. 
Especially exactly. on a team like the Cowboys with a guy like Jerry Jones. Exactly. And now you move into the guys who kind of are going to be in split, or, split situations. Matt Forte at 16, DeMarco Murray at 17. Uh, we had Jeremy Langford at 18, Dion Lewis at 19, and Carlos Hyde at 20. Uh, so is anybody in that last five someone who you think is a good chance to finish like in the top five? I think a lot of people would say Jeremy Langford. I don't think that will happen. I think that situation will devolve into an uh, RBBC. Um, I I kind of like Deion Lewis, but the New England Patriot running back situation is impossible for me to really get behind because um, it changes all the time. And they still have um, what's-his-face on that team, uh, who's the big bruiser who did so well? LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah, they still have Blunt. So I just don't see Deion Lewis being the this, this bell cow number one guy. So I, I think they're all going to split. Um, yeah. I guess the guy with the, the best chance uh, is either Langford or, or Carlos Hyde because I don't believe in DeMarco Murray anymore. And I think Forte is truly going to be a 50% uh, of the time running back. Yeah, I, I, I could I totally buy Langford as an RB2. I may have a little too high of expectations of him because, you know, I put him at 12, but he wound up at 18 in our consensus. So, um, you know, not great there. But what was interesting, I thought, with our list is that uh, for us, basically the top eight for all three of us were the same guys. Jim had a little bit of variation in there, but you and I were matched. Our top eight guys were all the same. We just had them in different orders. Um, but we so, spent a lot of time together last year, you know. You know, we talk about <laughs> football on a semi, you know, every once in a while, I would say. Exactly. We, we talk about football. So we are likely to have a lot of the same opinions, but uh, we also have, you know, Quite varying opinions at the same time. Which is good. You mentioned earlier... There's a lot of things to have opinions on in fantasy football. You mentioned earlier you didn't really like Carlos Hyde, probably because he's in that 49ers situation, but he's still going to be the guy there. That's that's the guy they have to, to run the ball. So um, he's not a bad guy if you can scoop him up at some point to be as like you're running back uh, three or something like that. He's, he's not a bad guy to have on the, uh, on the bench. Uh, I like Ryan Matthews, too. And these are guys that are 20 and 21 after the numbers you already spoke of. Ryan Matthews now looks like he's the number one guy for the Eagles. And so he's definitely going to uh, step up into that role. We know that he could do it from San Diego. Uh, on his years on the Chargers, he used to be uh, going as like a top 10 running back in fantasy drafts. So the real problem is, uh, are the Eagles going to run the ball? That's That's really the issue, I guess. Um, and then Matt Jones, who had a couple of, of weird like fumble plays when he was, uh, I think he was a rookie last year, behind Alfred Morris. And everyone has said that he's going to take over the job completely. I know our rookie expert, Sean Foss, has been on the show several times. He's always been behind Matt Jones. And it's, it's, kind of, it's not that hard right, to brush away a couple of rookie mistakes uh, when you see some of the explosiveness that he has. A lot of those those plays where he fumbled the ball were going to be touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I don't know. He's he's one of those guys. You're right. Like if they can figure out how to keep him from fumbling, he could be amazing. But his fumbling problems are going to keep him off. You know, people's teams. Well, he's the number one guy on that team right now. So yeah, but people won't take him because of that. Well, that's what I mean. He's he's one of those guys that 
if you're doing like the zero running back thing, and this is the opposite of what I was just talking about, if you get a whole bunch of wide receivers and, and tight ends and maybe even quarterbacks before you draft running backs, you could pick up guys like uh, 22, 23, and 24 on our list, which are Matt Jones, Melvin Gordon, and TJ Yeldon in later rounds. And those guys still have the opportunity to really break out and do well. And you know this as well as I do, at least a couple guys in our bottom you know, five or ten are going to be in the top 15. It always happens. You're right. So we just don't know who they're going to be. <laughs> TJ Yeldon could break out. There could be an injury on... You want to uh, pick one from the top, from the bottom? From the bottom five? From the bottom five on this list. So 20 through 24. Ryan Matthews. Ooh. I would say Melvin Gordon. Yeah, see, he turns another, it around. He's another uh, guy who was just really bad over and over again. And then Danny Woodhead. That offense could be amazing. It really could be. Well, they, they just gave up at the end of last year. So. They did, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I noticed we don't have Danny Woodhead on this list at all, who is a guy who was uh, almost in the top five. And definitely in PPR leagues, he was in the top five of all running backs last year. And we actually predicted that at the beginning of the year. In our half-point league, he was number six, which... Crazy enough, in that league, uh, in a half-point PPR league, D'Angelo Williams wound up being the number four running back. Oh, he was great. Uh, he, I didn't think he played enough games to get that high, but yeah, and Danny Woodhead was number six. Well, so so Woodhead is still a guy who has the ability to go out there and get it done, and we talked about him last year at the beginning of the year, uh, putting up maybe the same numbers that he did a couple of years ago when he had like 70 receptions and a bunch of touchdowns, and he literally did just that. Um, so I don't know if Melvin Gordon can't take over if it's not just going to be the Danny Woodhead show once more. It certainly could be. It certainly you know could because be that way. he's the guy that they just dump it off to every play and he gets like eight yards on every single time they do that. It makes you think. You're like, why? So why is that like a? Why is it not a thing they do all the time? Yeah. Why is that a play they don't do on purpose all the time? Uh, <laughs> maybe they are doing it on purpose. They just they just have Philip Rivers looking dumb because he's pretty good at it. Is that is that's the plan? <laughs> Jerk face West. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great running backs this year in general. That's what I think the takeaway is from uh, from this big list is that every single one of these guys could possibly be a top five running back. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Dave, you want to take this so I can uh, go get the beer? Oh, get us a bomber. Yeah, sure, I'll talk about it. So number one overall is Antonio Brown, and I think that uh, even outside of being a Steelers fan, this is obvious to anyone that watches the game of football. He is just supernaturally good. And the amount of receptions that he gets per year is unbelievable. I think that there's a possibility, in fact, of Antonio Brown getting maybe 140, 150 receptions uh, in one of these upcoming years, which... We'll probably break some records. I'd have to look it up, but I, I mean, it blows my mind, you know. Uh, and Odell Beckham Jr. we have for number two, and that's pretty obvious reasons again. And I think he might be even better this year just because he does have a guy, like I mentioned in uh, um, in Sterling Shepard, who is another good receiving threat that's going to be out there and uh, and taking some coverage away if other teams can even manage to do that. I mean, it'd be difficult, right, to to have a couple guys uh, double-teaming Odell Beckham and then somehow have one of them go away from him. <laughs> it seems like a bad uh, a bad career plan for those guys. Uh, number three, Julio Jones. Number four, A.J. Green. Number five, DeAndre Hopkins. 
And then we have number six, uh, Jordy Nelson. Uh, so if, if we talk about the tiers here, I would say that we have Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham Jr. and Julio Jones all in one tier. Uh, the number one tier. But it's difficult for me to say that because if I'm being honest, I would probably put Antonio Brown in a case by himself because I don't see any situation that you would ever take anyone above Antonio Brown in a fantasy football league. That's fine. And like Le'Veon Bell, he was consensus number one. Right. All three of us picked him. Um, but number six is Jordy Nelson. So he coming back off of injury, a guy who is uh, you know getting up there a little bit in years, but is still probably uh, the most talented frizzy white guy receiver out there in the NFL, especially because frizzy white guy uh, because our guy Wes Welker's not playing anymore. So <laughs> so yeah, you've got uh, Jordy Nelson coming back, and then Des Bryant's number seven. Number seven. I think last year Des Bryant was uh, about two or three on the list. Uh, our preseason list? Yeah. So for, That's what we should have. For our consensus rankings, we're definitely giving him a bit of a dive. And that's interesting. I think it's because he didn't perform and got injured last year. But what is there to think that he won't go back to how he did the previous year because they do have a finally uh, a good, uh, at least in theory, bell cow running back in Ezekiel Elliott. If they do, and if their offense really works well um, with those running backs going forward, then Des Bryant is once again going to get open in the deep field, and a healthy Tony Romo will hit him up for at least 10 or 11 touchdowns. So, I don't know. I, I, I think that he deserves to be a little bit higher than this, but you have the numbers there, um, so maybe it's me that rated him down lower. I don't remember. <laughs> Why is Des Bryant so low? Yeah. Uh, so... Besides Come the fact on. that the other guys are really awesome above him, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, nuke is... I think it's mostly my fault. I ranked him at 10, and it's because I don't, you know... It's because of what I saw last year, that's why. I, maybe I have a short memory. You had him at 6, uh, so you did put DeAndre Hopkins right above him. That, that would be the only thing there. Um, the, yeah. the interesting thing is that uh, we have A.J. Green very high on our list. We have him at 4. His ECR is currently six, um, but you and Jim both had him at two. I think that A.J. Green is, is pretty much the only receiving threat now on the Bengals because they got rid of all the other ones. And I think this well, is. Well, he certainly is the only guy. This is going to be another return to one of those years where it's nothing but Dalton to Green, Dalton to Green. Look, I'm sorry, continue. Well, I, last year there was a lot of games where it wasn't Dalton to Green, where other things were going on. Exactly. And I think there's going to be less of that and more of the of the usual tandem. I think that A.J. Green is a guy who can run a few routes very well. He's not an Antonio Brown kind of guy who's going to take over the game no matter what's going on in the game. No, but he's going to get 100 receptions and, and 8 or 9 touchdowns. Yeah, they're, they're going to force the ball down his throat. Yeah. But I don't think that because he's the only guy there, that's a benefit to him. I think that hurts him. He's not the kind of guy that... He's not an Antonio Brown or an Odell Beckham where, like, you know, he's going to catch everything that's thrown to him, and it doesn't matter what route you ask him to run, he's going to do it right. It's not A.J. Green. A.J. Green is an extremely talented long ball who is with a guy who knows how to connect to him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I respect your opinion, but I think early in his career it was just Green and Dalton, and that's going to be what it is again. So no reason for me to think that their stats won't return to what they were. I mean, it's not like he got worse. They both seem like they're sort of still in their primes, right? I think that, you know, there was a little bit more talent, at least, on the other teams so that it would keep the attention off of him. 
Um, you know, it, I don't know. It all depends on how many receptions he has, really. You know, if he's in the 60s, then he's going to have kind of a lower year. But if he can get above that 80 mark, he's going to have a stellar year again. Yeah. Um, I think we both like Allen Robinson. But, again, I, I, I do think there's a little bit of Blake Bortles to Allen Robinson um, uh, coming back from, from that craziness. Because last year it was nothing but touchdowns for that guy. It was, it was just fantastic. Um, and it's going to be a little slower. Um, but putting him in the top ten... That's so great. I remember when the Jaguars were just absolute horseshit. They had no chance, yeah. And and now they're going to win some games. Their defense is better. You know, their their receivers are better. Their quarterback is decent. It's it's pretty fantastic, actually, to think we can watch Jaguars games even when they go over to London and have a chance, uh, a good chance of of actually coming out the victors. Um, the Jaguars are no longer that team where you would play them, uh, play against them every single time you played a defense. Right. No, yeah, they are definitely not that team anymore. They have a very good offense. I really like uh, Allen Robinson. I would kind of target him in the draft this year, I think. Yeah, you just got to be careful with where he's placed based on his stats from last year because they were inflated. But if you think he's going to do as good or better, I I would totally do that. I think he's going to end up as a top 10 receiver again. Uh, I'm a little shaky on Alshon Jeffrey, and I know we're from Chicagoland. And we know that he's the number one guy, but I still don't think he's an actual number one receiver. I think he's, like, putting on a number one wide receiver mask. <laughs> uh, so I had him at 12, you had him at 10, Jim had him at 8. Uh, that puts him at 9 on our list. Uh, interestingly enough, our top 9 is the same as the experts' top 9. Of course, in a different order, but uh, the same 9 guys make up the top 9 of each list. Well, we are also experts, so I must have you point that out. I mean the rest of the experts. Very good. <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting because I know when we were doing this, we were sitting at a bar and we weren't checking stats or looking at anybody's rankings. You're right. This was uh, uh, what is impressed into your mind with the upcoming year. So it makes total sense that we would have we the didn't same. We discuss a lot of things. It makes total sense we'd have the same opinions as the majority of the other experts on fantasy pros. Sure, sure. I guess where it gets more interesting is probably what happens after number 10. Of course. So, uh, number 10, Sammy Watkins. Uh, number 11, Keenan Allen, who I think is going to have a big uh, bounce back year this year. Uh, 12, Mike Evans. 13, T.Y. Hilton. 14, Amari Cooper. So, let's stop and talk about these guys for a minute. Um, anyone in there who you think is, uh, like, top five material, like, you know, doesn't need too much to break his way. If everything does go right, then they're I, probably going to get it. I think T.Y. Hilton had a really bad year last year, and I think he's... Uh, an under-the-radar guy this year who on an, uh, an Indianapolis Colts offense that should be way better should immediately excel. You should uh, have a talk with yourself. Why is you, that? You had him at 19. No. <laughs> no, I think that uh, of that list, T.Y. Hilton is that guy. At that the time, I was probably thinking... If like, everything goes right for him, he's there in the top five. Like, almost. man, the Colts screwed me last year. <laughs> you know, they screwed a lot of people last year. Yeah, but it was a lot of that had to do with uh, Andrew Luck going out and T.Y. Hilton being somewhat injured. And then, of course, like having guys like Andre Johnson on their team and stuff that weren't really doing anything for them. Um, so, yeah, that's tough. Uh, I also like Amari Cooper because I think he's going to do nothing but get better in that offense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's got a second year with a good quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I like Amari Cooper as well. And him being at 14, I think, shows that. You had him at 9. You were the highest of the three of us. 
uh, with Amari Cooper. All right. Well, I got I got uh, that correct. On you got Amari. that one going. <laughs> uh, so number fifteen, uh, Brandon Marshall. Number sixteen, Kelvin Benjamin. Seventeen, Demarius Thomas. Uh, and then you've got Edelman and Cobb running out eighteen and nineteen. Um, there, what what I noticed that much is that Demarius Thomas was once a guy who was a no brainer WR one. Yeah, he was like a top five pick uh, consensus, yeah. like for years. And you know, he even had a decent year when Tim Tebow and Kyle Horton was his quarterback. So uh, that isn't to say that. Uh, the fact that he is a terrible quarterback situation right now uh, is going to affect his draft status, but I am kind of saying that, I suppose. I am saying that I, you know, it's it's Mark Sanchez or some other guy, and I can't even remember his name. Uh, the guy who they recently said, I think as recently as today, that they're neck and neck in the quarterback race, which probably you, is, you, is you, all lip service to get Mark Sanchez a little bit of motivation. You need a, uh, a rookie refresher before this draft on Thursday. Uh, you're talking about Paxton Lynch. No, no. It was someone else. It was not Paxton Lynch. Someone else was listed uh, on the depth chart with him. Then I don't know who you're talking about. It, it, was, <laughs> a, it was a guy from Northwestern. Uh, I, I will pull this up in just a second, folks. So I like Brandon Marshall at number 15. He's the guy that helped carry me to a championship last year. Uh, when he left Chicago, a lot of Chicago Bears fans were like, good riddance, man. You know, but, but they knew in their heart of hearts that he was the best receiver they'd had ever, basically. And uh, going to a team where he wasn't done playing football yet, he went to the Jets. And Ryan, Fitz, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick... Just threw him the ball all the time, and he's still fantastic. He can still, you know, uh, jump over people for touchdowns and grab clutch catches. Yeah, he's a little bit of a diva, but he's going to have another good year or two because Brandon Marshall has always been a reception like king on any team he's on, and so he's going to continue to do that once more, assuming that Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. But all of the news that I've read continues to lead me to believe that they're just dragging this out forever, and Fitzpatrick is eventually going to get this one-year high-money deal he wants because the Jets think with their team that they can probably get pretty far. I mean, let's talk about it. They have Forte and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, um, and they have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and a good defense. Like, Who else did they have at running back? They have Bilal Paul still. Yeah, and, and so they're a team that's going to do really well as long as they have all the pieces together. They're going to find some way to pay Fitz. And if they have Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, then both Marshall and Decker are going to be good once more. And we don't include Eric Decker on this list, which is understandable, I guess, to a certain degree. But he's a ball hawk in the red zone like no one I've ever seen. Yeah, but uh, just like Danny Woodhead, he didn't even make any of our top 20s. Well, I know, just but saying. it's an under-the-radar guy who's going to score you a touchdown every other game he plays. Sure. So in Denver, just to touch on that, it's Trevor Simeon, uh, the quarterback out of Northwestern, who back on May 30th, Kubiak said, don't sleep on Simeon winning the quarterback job. No. But today, Kubiak said that Sanchez and Simeon are neck and neck for the starting job. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. I love, I you know, we always love reading Roto World. We love the way that they put things. So it's acutely embarrassing for Sanchez is the is the blurb that they write. I think I think Sanchez is the guy until they uh, until they end up starting their uh, their rookie draft guy. But you know all these coaches they can't just let someone walk into the position that that would be uh, that would be bad for them. They they have to say that these things are happening, right? Right. They do. 
They but do. but to to your point, I didn't. Uh, I forgot who that guy was. So I think a lot of people <laughs> did. Probably some people in Denver did. Yeah. Well, I, there's probably people in Denver that are drafting Trevor Simeon. Like he's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> they all talk like this in Denver for some reason. In Denver, it must be the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so finishing off our list, we had Randall Cobb at 19, uh, and then Jeremy Macklin at 20. Golden Tate, 21, Jarvis Landry, 22, Alan Hearns, 23, and Jordan Matthews, uh, 24. Remember, we only ranked the top 20, so those last couple guys, um, not as accurate as the rest of the positioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, of all of those guys at the very end of the list there, I think obviously Golden Tate is the one guy who could probably work his way into the top 10. He's the number one receiver now on the Lions, and he's been awesome every time he was the number one receiver on the Lions, and there's no reason why he won't be awesome this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be really good. I I still kick myself, talking about Dynasty Leagues again, for trading away. I mean, I've won championships in this league, but I traded away Greg Olson and Golden Tate for things that I don't need. That you don't even have anymore. And and if I had those guys, I'd be even better. I'm like just shooting myself in the head a little bit here. (laughs) But... um, but yeah, Golden Tate is has been great, and I think that Jim Bob Cooter, as much as I didn't like his offense when he started putting it together, it's obvious to me now, and having listened and watched to all the NFL news and, and all of the interviews, that he wasn't actually able to put together an offense in that short amount of time. He was only running basic plays. Yeah, you can't... Guys who start in the middle of the year, you can't judge them based on that. You need to judge someone based on their entire uh, offseason and season. Yeah, so I'm interested in the fact that we rated Golden Tate number 21, right? And we didn't even put Amir Abdullah on the running back list. Both of those guys could be really good this year. Um, Certainly. Because the Lions... I'm crossing my fingers for Marvin Jones still. Well, he'll he'll get his red zone catches probably. I just don't think he's going to take over the one position with Tate there, that's no, all. definitely not. Um Jordan Matthews looks like he's relegated to the slot right now, uh, which is fine in PPR leagues, but not really good in, in other redraft leagues. And Jarvis Landry could be awesome. He was so awesome last year. Uh, or not last year, but the, well, some of last year. Yeah. And not to backpedal. But if, if Adam Gase does a good job with Ryan Tannehill, then Jarvis Landry could be really good. And I know you like Jeremy Macklin on a team where they just didn't know how to throw the ball at all. Um, he ended up having a great year. Right, and I think that they're going to be better at throwing the ball next year. Yeah, but they they went have... from zero touchdowns to wide receivers to some touchdowns for wide receivers. Now let's get more touchdowns for wide receivers. Yeah, the only thing about Kansas City is that they have three running backs that can run the ball, and they have Travis Kelsey, uh, who's a wonderful tight end. Don't, don't they, aren't they running three tight end sets right now? Yeah. So point being, uh, Macklin's going to get those touchdowns, but he might not get as many opportunities. Uh, as he had last year, because could be that he gets a lot of single coverage. If they're running a lot of three tight end sets, they're going to have to put heavy packages out there, and they're only going to be able to afford one cornerback. I can't wait until Jamal Charles has his first three touchdown game of the season. Oh, it, it'll be early in the year, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, we don't have a lot of time left. Let's power through the tight ends. Uh, let's not even go over the tight ends. The just, tight ends, we talked about a lot earlier. Just yell them out, man. All right, so we've got Gronk at number one. He was a consensus pick. Greg Olson at number two. I believe you and I are in the consensus with that at the very least. Um, yeah, we are. Jim, always a contrarian. 
He had him at number three. Uh, Jordan Reed, Travis Kelsey, Ladarius Green finish out in the top five. Ladarius Green's a newcomer to the top five. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, for him, for him to take the top five spot, certainly away from Antonio Gates, he did have to move to another team to do that. <laughs> but I think that a, with what we saw from his pass-catching ability last year, Ladarius Green is going to be good. I was highest on him. I had him at four. It's because Antonio Gates wouldn't quit. He just wouldn't quit playing. He still won't quit. Yeah, so uh, cheers to, uh, and I know you'll have your time eventually as a Bears fan, but talk about being a Steelers fan in, in, in a At year the right where, time. where every single offensive position has a guy in the top five. Yes, amazing. they do. Absolutely they do. amazing. It's going to be such a good year for me. And Martavis Bryant is just not even playing. They're like, I don't care. <laughs> of all the times you could afford to lose a guy like that, I suppose... You have an embarrassment of Richards at the moment. That was like a hot toddy. So finishing, oh. was it sitting next to your uh, laptop heater? Yes, it was. I said, don't get a quad core i7 and then put like Put a cold next drink to next to it. <laughs> it won't be cold for very long. Yep, yep, yep. So Finishing off our top 10, Delaney Walker, Tyler Eifert, Julius Thomas, Kobe Fleener, and a pre-Twitter rant, Austin Severian Jenkins. And then, I get uh, the feeling he may be a little lower on the list after all of the unsettledness. I still think he'll start the season, and his play is going to dictate whether or not he ends up being a good tight end or not. Uh, I mean, all these guys are, are somewhat brain-dead in situations because they've just been playing football their whole lives. They have, they're have they not like experienced in uh, uh, you know social dynamics or anything, really. Right. <laughs> so guys not all receiving top ten votes. Dwayne Allen, Jimmy Graham, Gary Barnage, who we talked about a bunch earlier, and Zach Miller on the Bears. So, um, you know, interestingly, it's probably one of the first times in a couple years that the Bears have had three guys show up on a list like that. You know, I've got, <laughs> so on my team, on my dynasty team, I have Zach Miller, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Ladarius Green, and Jimmy Graham. So I, I, I need got a to, lot of top 10 guys. I think I need to ditch one of those guys. Who wants Zach Miller? I've got a grown grown co Gronkowski. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Is oh. that is that uh, is that Rod Gronkowski? I think it's I think it's Robert Gronkowski. <laughs> there are a couple of Gronks in the NFL. They call him the Robster. <laughs> um, there are four Gronkowskis. Two of them are free agents, but there are four Gronkowskis. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on if we can to uh, to our final segment. So, if you are in a dynasty league like we are, uh, you're likely in full-on prep mode for your upcoming draft. I don't know how a lot of teams run it. I like having our draft early in the year. Uh, Our draft is coming up on Thursday. We're going to draft rookies and free agents. Uh, So, we're going to talk about rookies. We're going to talk about a few dynasty draft tips here. Dave, I'm curious how you look at free agents in uh, the upcoming draft. Since anybody who's available in our league will be up to be drafted... Uh, obviously it's different in every league, but do you just hold off on free agents for a couple of rounds because you know that the rookies are better and that they're a better investment? Or um, is there is there like a, a line you set yourself to say, you know, don't take a free agent before now? No, I think I think one of the worst things you can do is, is set yourself a line that you don't cross during a draft. 
right? You have to assign value to those players. And in Dynasty, more than any other kind of league, each player has a value that's assigned to themselves for the uh, the length and breadth of his or her career. I say or her. There hasn't really been an a... There haven't been too many hers yet a, in the a, NFL. A female NFL player that I've drafted, yeah. Certainly um, not that you've drafted. Uh-huh. You're like, I'm not sure. Maybe there has been. Think about what happens when the first female NFL player gets like a, a, a concussion. A bad concussion? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you mean the first game that they play? Right, exactly. Just like everyone else. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, there, there are some good players out there um, on our free agent list, and I'm not going to name them all for obvious reasons, but there, there are some guys out there that uh, should be valued probably at the same as, as like, let's say, a, a certain a guy second. named Johnny was dropped today. <laughs> like oh boy. A, like a second or a third round pick in a rookie draft because... Um, at least with a free agent player, they have a little bit of a history, so you know how they uh, act and perform within the NFL and the confines of it. And with a rookie, one of the times, uh, or a lot of the times, you don't have any idea if they're even going to end up making the team or what their personality is like as an adult. You know, that's that's all. Uh, it's all hearsay because that player is generally 19 years old, 20 years old. It's uh, it's pretty difficult to determine the value of a player. Um, but but I think that the first and second round rookie draft picks for me, uh, one through ten, one through ten in our particular league, are more valuable than almost any free agent that you could pick up, unless uh, the free agent you could pick up, uh, you're going to start Is every a week. Yeah. So last year I took D'Angelo Williams in the second round of our draft, um, and had I kept him the whole year and played him right, that would have been an amazing pickup. Instead, it was only a good pickup and he did what I wanted him to do because I knew he'd be starting the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, my draft the year before that I took way too many free agents. I took almost all free agents. Um, so I, I definitely see the value now of taking the rookies first. And I agree with you that the first two rookies, first two rounds pretty much have to be rookies unless you, you know, unless they're for sure starters. Well, when you look at the first round of a draft, and, and we're not going to go back into that because we don't have time, but when you look at a first round of a draft that you've done in previous years, and you look at those rookies that were taken, almost all of them are valuable players now uh, that are either going to grow up within their team's ecosystem or have already become starters on that team. So um, to, to draft someone in a dynasty league, is to live and die with them and have a lot of patience. You have to be a Zen master and be like, I'm going to keep this person on my team for four years now. Yeah, Devontae Parker, you are my guy. You're staying there. Well, Parker's sticking around. I mean, we know that Parker can turn into a wide receiver one or two on the Dolphins and do really well. Right, but he was the only guy that I kept out of my draft last year. Well, you got to be careful dumping people because when they when they do something later, you're gonna you're gonna slap yourself hey, on the back. We all do that. Yeah. Well, like I, I picked up a guy last year uh, named Jalen Strong. He had uh, two games that he played and scored uh, two or three touchdowns, but they're because of bomb plays. I, it looks like he has an opportunity to play as the number two outside of DeAndre Hopkins, but it's a tough opportunity. And for me to uh, to drop him this year because I think I have someone who's better. Um, that would be silly because I need to give him the one, two, or three years that his, the talent that that player has deserves. And right. the, sometimes you get yourself in a bad situation. Like before I drafted, um, I, I forget his name because I wrote it down and then I burned it. Um, <laughs> what was was this some sort of ceremony? It was on Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. 
Oh, are you talking about Rawls? No, not Rawls. Oh, you're talking about uh, Christine Michael. Yes, uh, Christine Michael. So uh, I had owned him for like three years. Oh, yeah. Never played him. And then like everyone started getting injured on Seattle. And then he got traded to the Cowboys. Did nothing on the Cowboys. Got traded to the Redskins. Did nothing on the Redskins. Traded back to the Seahawks. He's the starter. <laughs> and all of a sudden he's the starter. <laughs> and by that point, he's on someone else's roster. Yeah. Finally. But but he probably will turn out to to just be popping up and down rather than being a, a guy who's continually starting. I don't. Yeah, it's not like the Blake Bortles free agent pickup that you had yeah. last year. So so what's important is you have to stick it out a little bit. Uh, but but obviously, man, if if you're drafting like a, a third or fourth or fifth round guy, uh, and he doesn't cut it in the first year um, or even in the preseason, then then you cut him. Sure. Oh, totally. Those guys, you know, you can't keep around because I don't know the way other leagues are are structured, but the way we structure our league is that uh, you draft and then you have to cut your roster down. Yeah, I think almost every dynasty uh, league does something like that because it mirrors sort of the way that the NFL is. That's the idea. So, Dave, you definitely need to uh, drink some of this. It's fantastic. Okay. Well, this beer we've got here, pardon me, is uh, the Lagunitas, the Down Low Ale. Um, it is an unlimited release, as is uh, their want to do. It is only 3.9% alcohol. Well, before we, we leave you guys, uh, let's let's go through some of the rookies and just give our thoughts on them if we have any. Uh, and then for those of you who are still listening, make sure to check our stuff out uh, going forward and subscribe on uh, Stitcher or iTunes and, and tune into drink5.com. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Drink5, and then on Facebook, you can give us a like at Drink5 Network. So uh, why don't you go through a couple guys, and if we have any thoughts, we can mention them. But these are basically top five lists of the positions. So yeah, these uh, top five lists come from uh, the Fantasy Pros ECR for uh, this year's rookies, rookies only. So at quarterback, the number one quarterback was Jared Goff uh, from L.A. I think everyone... Uh, is going to agree that uh, him starting in the L.A. Rams is going to be the thing this year. Um, it'll be a surprise at this point if he doesn't start week one, yada, yada. Um, so probably the number one overall pick in most of the dynasty drafts. Uh, you know why. I should, I actually, I shouldn't say that because I would think Ezekiel Elliott will go in leagues that, unlike ours, have only one quarterback. We have two quarterbacks, which is why, to me, the quarterback obviously goes first. Elliott might still go first because Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are not going to immediately play. Jared Goff should be immediately playing, but they won't be immediately fantasy impactful. They won't no, immediately play on your team. It's because Jared Goff doesn't have any receivers to throw the ball to. He yeah. really does. But last year in college, he had 4,700 yards and 43 touchdowns. So, I mean, like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and as Sean Foss, our rookie expert, says, he is the safest quarterback rookie to draft. And stay tuned. After we have our dynasty draft, Sean has promised me that he's going to release a wealth of rookie information upon the masses, stuff that he's been holding out, <laughs> his own secret stash. So I can't wait to, to know what he knows. Yeah, let's let's hurry up. we got to get through as many as possible. Okay, so Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Cardale Jones. So... Lots of names thrown out, right? Carson Wentz is now playing in Philadelphia. He's not going to be the starter yet, right, not Dave? Yet. Not yet. Sam Bradford will start, but we everyone thinks that, that Wentz will make moves unless Sam Bradford suddenly shines like a diamond. Right. He was the number two, number two overall pick. So, you know, he's worth taking in your dynasty league because he will start in the future. Uh, Paxton Lynch, probably the same deal with him. He was picked uh, later on in the first round. 
Um, I could see him starting at some point in his career, possibly this year. Uh, you know, if if Mark Sanchez is having a hard time passing Trevor Simeon, who his name I had to look up just now, um, then you know Paxton Lynch may start before the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think Lynch was drafted specifically to be the quarterback of the future there. Um, and uh, Sean, I think, will agree with me that he's a guy who's going to be groomed uh, to become the guy. So uh, if you can get him in a dynasty draft, I think he's probably the best one out of all three of those just because he, on Denver, has a really great spot. Yeah, so rounding out the top five for quarterbacks, these are guys who um, you would have to hold on for uh, depth in future. Maybe if you had a practice squad, you stash them there. So Cardale Jones in Buffalo. Obviously, Buffalo, um, they like Tyrod Taylor, but I don't think they think of him as a franchise quarterback by any means. And Christian Hackenberg in New York, the Jets don't have Fitzpatrick. They're talking up Geno Smith, so anything could happen there. I still think they'll have fits, but you're right. It's an open market right now. Yeah. So at running back, we've got Ezekiel Elliott. That is pretty much as consensus of a number one overall guy as you can get. Um, Then you've got Derrick Henry, who sounds like he's going to get a decent amount of work alongside DeMarco Murray. So he doesn't have to be the main guy there. That may hurt his fantasy production in year one, but it may help his development. And as a dynasty drafter, you need to worry more about what are these guys going to do for the next five years, not just next year. Yeah, the thing to worry about with Henry is he doesn't really have a role in the passing game. He only had 17 catches when he was at Alabama. But remember, last year, he had 400 carries for 2,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. That's absurd. Now his, in, his You mean the last two years? No, just last year. His workload in... He means the last two years. I no, think, I'm, I'm just joking. I think it's last year. I'm just trying to impress him on how impressive that is. His workload in college is bad, though, because over three seasons, you got to remember, you know, uh, that's only three years when you're sort of a youngster. He had almost 600 carries. And they so, only played 14 games, I think. So he's been worked to death, this guy, and he has no real role in the passing game unless he's able to catch on. But he's going to be just a bowling ball. Right. And he goes one direction. Downhill. Yeah. So, uh, Kenneth Dixon in Baltimore, Devontae Booker in Denver, and C.J. Procise in Seattle. Do I have that right? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure either. So, <laughs> that's a, just like Mariota last year, uh, that's another name that we have to learn and still kind of not get right Well, Dix, Dixon's in Baltimore, so it's kind of a toss-up as to who's going to win that job because they've got a bunch of guys over there. Uh, Devontae Booker... Uh, he's going to be a guy who's on the Broncos, so he's going to be second fiddle to C.J. Anderson. But if C.J. Anderson gets injured, he could be the number one guy in Denver. So, I mean, that's that's shining a spotlight on you pretty fast. Oh, totally. And um, really, all these running backs are kind of really high on the regular uh, rankings for um, the experts' consensus rankings, where we're pulling these from. Yeah. Um, so at wide receiver, we've got Laquan Treadwell, in Minnesota as number one. Um, I, I think, if anything, it's mostly because they, they don't have, like, they've got Stephon Diggs, and that's about it there right now. Uh, so they need more talent there. And they've got Teddy Bridgewater, who should be able to really air it out. Well, Treadwell is going to be good, but, like, Teddy Bridgewater is not being a great passing quarterback. He's not. Uh, they're, he has they're, the talent, though. Maybe. I mean, they're mostly just focusing on Adrian Peterson and making that the offense. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has red zone looks. Um, they, they couldn't use Mike Wallace, and, and then maybe that's Mike Wallace's fault. But but Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if he's going to have success with Treadwell and Diggs, guys that aren't veterans in the NFL by any means. Treadwell is a great receiver. He has a bad landing spot. 
he's going to catch a lot of passes probably, but but making big plays uh, might be difficult for him this year anyway. Um, but you mentioned uh, he is the number two overall uh, rank on the ECR for fantasy pros. Did you mention Coleman? Yes, Corey Coleman is number two. Uh, I think obviously he gets put up high because he could be effective right away. Yeah. So we we were talking earlier about Gary Barnage. Um, the only reason why maybe Gary Barnage doesn't have as many passes is because they didn't have any receivers last year. Well, they and did have Travis Benjamin, who had a good year. He's going to fade away to nothing now in San Diego or wherever he is. Uh, but Corey Coleman is an actually good receiver who had 20 touchdowns last year and probably could be a star in the Browns' offense. Dude, we need to play some uh, college fantasy football. Clearly, these guys are putting up some impressive numbers. Talk about unpredictable, man. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So Sterling Shepard, a guy at number three, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's going to be lining up alongside Odell Beckham Jr. and mowing bitches down. Did you know who he was before we discussed him? You mean tonight? Yeah. Yes. But we talked about him. I, I didn't really know before the last rookie show. We talked about him in that show. It's just important that everyone know that he's opposite Odell Beckham, and he is also a good receiver in and of himself. So he's going to be a scary late pick on the Giants that could be one of the best receivers stat-wise in 2016. As a slot receiver, Sean says he'd put his money on Shepard uh, to have the most 90-catch seasons of all the guys in this rookie class. Mm. And that, I mean, if you're in a dynasty league, it's unlikely to have no points per reception at all. So you're probably going to have something in there. Well, the point is he's just going to be an active, good receiver, we think, for as long as he's in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so Josh Doxson, Doxson uh, in Washington, and Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Kind of self-explanatory. Washington could use more help. They've got Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, but Pierre Garçon, not as impressive as his one awesome year says. Well, yes, and, and both of them have contracts that will come up next year, which could make uh, Doxson the number one receiver for the Redskins. In just one short year. In one year. So and he'll he, still get some action this year. If he proves himself this year, he could become a star on your fantasy team. And then you've got Michael Thomas in uh, New Orleans. You know, clearly there's room for receivers in New Orleans. Yeah, the old guys bowing out like Marcus Colston. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a chance for him Coleman to step up. Coleman and Sneed, and that's about it right now. They need like four pass catchers there. Yeah, <laughs> Drew Brees is, is slinging it a lot. But it's tough to to pick a guy who might be the low guy on the totem pole there, you know? Yeah, and then you've got tight ends. Not a whole lot of relevance here other than you've got Hunter Henry, who apparently being drafted where he was drafted, they want him to replace Antonio Gates, I would assume. Uh, or is he just replacing Ladarius Green? Well, in 2017, I think Gates' contract is up for renewal or whatever, so... Um, he's he's going to be the replacement for Ladarius Green, but again, just like uh, just like Doxson, he could be the replacement for Antonio Gates. Um, if that's true on San Diego and on a team uh, with a uh, a situation where they use a tight end all the time, then Hunter Henry could step up to be the next top five every every year consensus tight end. Yeah, oh, that'd be impressive. Uh, you've got Hunter Hooper. Um... In Atlanta, and they've been looking for a tight end in Atlanta forever, so maybe that works out. I don't know. Um, Tyler Higby in Los Angeles. It's weird saying that. Uh, I'm glad that I'm not screwing it up. I made sure I wrote it down everywhere. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know very much about the uh, the rest of the tight end class, except that Higby had a lot more touchdowns last year than than even Henry did, 
And starting for uh, the Rams without Jared Cook, he could end up immediately having some kind of an effect. It's like a a ditch-off target. Tyler Higby's going mid to late fourth round uh, for Dynasty. Although that's not ADP. I guess that's just ranking. Um, And then you've got Jarrell Adams in New York. They've got him ranked 49th overall. He's the fourth, uh, uh, fourth tight end. Obviously, you know, they need a tight end in New York. They don't have a lot going on there right now. So, I doubt that like a rookie steps in there. So I I don't know I don't know that this is the year that you go hunting for tight ends. Certainly, running back, wide receiver are much more deep. Yeah, um, although you know I don't know that they need a tight end. Um, right, they don't need one. They have Larry Donnell that got injured and he was really good, and then they also had Will Ty who stepped in and started doing really well, and I think he got injured. So I, I think it was more of uh, an injury problem. Um, they need a tight end like Chicago needs a tight end. Uh, yeah. Like, well, like they don't have any established guys. They just have these people that are occasionally good but have injury problems. <laughs> okay, that's exactly what Chicago has. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you don't have a guy like Greg Olson or a guy like... Uh, by the way, Martellus Bryant, early bet for, for him to have uh, six, six touchdowns or more. Yes, Martellus Bennett. Early for six touchdowns or more? Six touchdowns on New England. I'm sure he'll get six touchdowns on New England. Oh, man. What's his face? What was it? Scott Chandler had six touchdowns that one year. Yeah. Not used very often, but when he was used, it was because he was running to the red zone. Oh, you didn't, you didn't, you know, he'll have less than 20 receptions, but I can still see six touchdowns. I would love if it's it's just like a Fewer weird. Fewer than 20. If Martellus Bennett just ends up becoming like uh, the, the Aaron Hernandez that everyone wants every other tight end to on New England to be. Oh boy, he's he just might be crazy enough, and then he'll have to go murder someone, I guess. Well, it? I was just gonna say he's crazy, but not in the bad ways. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's I... crazy in a fun way, <laughs> like hey, that guy's a little wacko. That's all right with me. Well, good luck to you in your upcoming draft, and good luck to everybody out there. And thanks for listening. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Join us uh, in a couple weeks. We'll be back uh, on the Drink Five Retrospectical Podcast. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Drink5. Go to Facebook.com slash Drink5Network. And, uh, you know, subscribe on iTunes. What else else do we have out there? That's fine. That's good. That's enough. Good night.